Advice your mama should have given you and of which you should have taken heed. Hi, I'm Carrie Heron, speaker, media content queen, and advisor, consultant to leaders, businesses, and governments, inviting you to this episode of Thrive with Carrie. So hindsight is always 2020. It's when we look back that we can actually see clearly all that which appeared in the time as fuzzy and muddy. But there are some truths that transcend generations. The relationship between older women and younger generations is a sacred one. It is. Older women are admonished in the Bible to give sound counsel and guide young women in the book of Titus 2. As one with many years that have turned gray, I believe I'm now crowned with the wisdom of lived experience. So here is my cheat sheet, which you ought to share with every woman you know. So be sure to share this with at least seven women as well as on your social media, because sharing is caring. Stick around all the way through to the end to get a bonus bit of advice that resonated so deeply, not only with me, but with thousands on the internet. Um, with women across the world who earned the right to hear this gem of a bit of wisdom that's going to come up at the end of the show. So here is the advice your mama should have given you. Number one, cultivate inner beauty of character because all physical beauty fades. Spend time to ensure that your character speaks highly in your favor. The behavior of a Beautiful character never fades. What's on the inside rises to the surface and it shows all over you. A pretty face will fade under the weight of a mean character. So get the inside right. Let that resonate from inside out. To learn who you are for real, not as anyone who tells you who you are, not even you, but as God tells you who you are. You can only find your true identity in him because you were created in his image and likeness. And when you seek God with all your heart, you will not only find him, you will find yourself. Because your truth, the truth of who you are, lies in the truth of knowing him. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you are God. Absolutely not. I'm saying that your identity lies in him. In who he says you are. So never allow man or woman to speak over your identity. What God has not spoken over you. And how can you do that? You have to be a student of the Bible. You have to pray. You have to seek him, worship him in spirit and in truth. And you'll find you, you'll find your identity and you'll find your purpose Because not only were you made by him, you were made for him to have perfect koinonia or intimacy, communion with him. That brings me to the next point, which is never enter into a marriage until you first find yourself in Christ. Your marriage relationship is the single most important relationship you'll ever enter into. So enter it into it with your ten toes flat. Know who you are and the calling on your life, and be yielded to God's hand in your life. It will take a close relationship with God to walk out a successful marriage. And we'll talk more about this later on. Before you get married, this is the next point, be in full pursuit of honing your skills 
and your gifts. Mastering and multiplying the gifts you were born with is a fruit of a wise woman. Women who are living their purpose are magnetic and powerful. Be all you were created to be. Fifth point, enjoy your single season, no matter how long it lasts. You are whole on your own and you are enough. Marriage does not define you. God does. You are his sacred daughter. There are so many freedoms a single woman has that a woman who is married or who has children is not able to enjoy as easily. So don't spend your single season bemoaning your singleness, but cultivate joy in this season and truly come into yourself. Number six, it's better to be alone than to marry out of desperation. Hear ye, hear ye. Sharks and vultures smell blood and vulnerability. Don't let the biological clock or any fear of missing out FOMO make you feel like you need to lower your standards or color red flags green, big and serious. Number seven, Maya Angelou once said, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. This is true for all relationships. Giving people the benefit of the doubt doesn't mean allowing them to trample over your boundaries. People are keen to show us exactly who they are and we will discern the forest from the trees if we simply pay attention. Stop trying to reframe and repurpose and simply accept the truth their behaviors reveal. Talk is cheap. Watch the behavior, especially when they feel no one is watching. Number eight, always, always, Always have money hidden in an account that you can access in an emergency that your left hand doesn't even know about. I mean, tell no one. Well, maybe you can tell one person who is not your intimate partner, not even your husband. I kid you not. Do this from your single season and continue to build on it in marriage. Think of this account as an encased in glass case. You know, one of those things like in case of an emergency that has break in case of fire. So no fire, no breaky breaky. You don't break this for vacations or parties for anything other than a real blood curdling emergency. Because anything can happen. Great husbands can get sick or worse. This is your in-case-of-worse fund that you can convert to a fun fund after 25 to 30 years when all actually goes well. So this is just insurance. Number nine, take out life insurance in your early 20s, even for a little amount. Life insurance is cheaper when you're younger and this protects your insurability when you get older. You may add critical illness riders on it as well as you can access for so that you can access for care should you need to for certain critical illnesses if they should ever crop up. 10. Learn how to sell. Yes, I said sell because selling is important. Selling is a huge part of life. So learn the art of sales and master it. You'll need it in all of your important interpersonal relationships, in life, in business, and your career. Learning how to sell is an essential life skill. Master it. 
Eleven, eleven, eleven. Every woman needs to hone skills, even while studying academically or building a career. Skills are essential for adaptability, for changing economic tides and market volatility. This will be your cushion. Take heed. Number 12, invest in learning life skills. Learn how to build a home, make a home, and a life. Invest heavily in developing soft skills. Don't let feminism make you feel like learning how to make your home a beautiful, peaceful, loving space that nourishes you and others is a bad thing. Our softness and gentleness as women is one of our greatest strengths. Learn to lean into it and to relax into it. Learn how to serve others because service is a very essence of great leadership. Cooking, cleaning, washing, and ironing are essential for you and for the well-running home or work environment. If you're not able to handle some of the functions, there are, there's absolutely no shame, literally no shame, in hiring others to help in those areas. And by all means, when you have sons, teach them how to do all these things well. Taking care of the home is something everyone, boy and girl, needs to learn to master, period, point blank. Number 13, treat people with respect. Treat them well. And no matter what their situation is or yours is in life, your relationships will play a very critical role in your success. So value them highly. Never make the mistake of treating anyone lesser than the dignity that he or she deserves because you think, well, this person has nothing of value to give me. Mm -mm. Some of the greatest people never show up and never show their greatness on the surface. So even the Bible talks about being kind to strangers because you may be entertaining angels unaware. Be kind to everyone. Number 14, if you're privileged to have domestic staff, treat them with respect and utter dignity. Trust and believe that you are in a vulnerable position and your entire household. So treat people well, especially those who service you in these intimate ways. Number 15, learn to cultivate a passion for self-care from early and do not neglect it as life demands more of you. As women, we are natural nurturers and give up. We will absolutely give up all our care to yield to that of others, but we must cultivate the discipline of applying our oxygen mask first. If you don't, you will attract people who are takers and who will suck you dry and spit you out your bones when you have nothing left for them to leech on. Protect your own stores by caring for yourself. You must serve others from the overflow, not from a half full cup. Number 16, develop the discipline for daily exercise and eating well. This is about health. Moving and eating well, especially avoiding sugar and excess carbs and other inflammatory foods, is important to your mental, physical, and spiritual health. Nourishing the body nourishes the mind and the spirit because health is holistic. 
So learn the discipline of taking care of your body temple early. Number 17, prioritize rest and rejuvenation. As much as it's important to cultivate a strong and diligent work ethic, I'm telling you that it is equally important to create a habit of rest. It's great to start this practice off early in life so that you will be able to develop the muscle of learning to find rest and rejuvenation so that even when life becomes that much more demanding, then you'll be able to kind of remember that there's a sweet spot that you need to find and it will make it easier for you to go back into that space when your body needs it. Number 18, learn how to steward your money. There's so much focus on making money or rather working to earn, but not enough focus on what to actually do with it once you have it. The wealthy, middle class and poor have very different perceptions about money and how to actually steward it. You cannot leave your money management solely to others, whether it be a spouse or some wealth portfolio or investment manager or advisor. So be very, very meticulous in studying money, the secrets about it. I'm going to share a link in the description box to a masterclass I did on money secrets only 5% know. That's a groundbreaking place to actually start to really level up on your financial knowledge and to learn how to steward your money. And it's based on ancient biblical wisdom and principles which have stood the test of time because they are based on truth. And trust me, the truth is the only way abundant life. Number 19, while we're on the topic of increasing knowledge, that brings me to the next point. Be devoted to lifelong learning. Study to show yourself approved. I once heard Rick Warren, author of The Purpose Driven Life, speak about life as a game of cards. You have absolutely no control over the hand you're dealt with. That is all about chance. But there's one thing that you have absolute control over. You have absolute control over the game you decide to play. You see, we have no control over how we are born and the circumstances in which we are born into. How we are born, well, you can say that it's all about our parents. But by the time we die, how we are at that point is solely up to us. So seek wisdom and pursue it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Read the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Genesis and Joshua and Kings and Chronicles and John and Corinthians and Ephesians and Colossians and Galatians and Matthew. Read the entire Bible from cover to cover repeatedly. And not from an intellectual perspective, but ask God to let Holy Spirit lead you into all understanding of the scripture and to be able to apply it to your life. Yes, there are other books that are great for reading and learning and increasing your wealth of knowledge. And there is also formal education and the like, but do not leave out the Bible that is foundational. Next, recognize that you always have choices and train yourself to see the choices you have in any situation even the incredibly challenging and difficult ones. Choice is better than no choice. Never give permission to anyone to make you think and behave as if you do not have a myriad of choices in any given situation. You never have to continue to suffer in a bad situation. You always have choices. 
And this one, listen to me closely. I wish that we could stop celebrating suffering in relationships so much. Why do I have to suffer for you for 10 years? And then all of a sudden it's like in year 11, you know, you love me so much, not because of who I am, but you love me so much that I literally stayed beside you while you were abusing me. Why am I glorifying? Why, why am I glorifying the suffering that you allowed me to encounter for 10 years? And now when it's time for you to celebrate me, you're not celebrating me because you will love me and you value me and you cared for me and you are returning me back to God in a better way than what you found me. But now you're at the place where we are now celebrating my endurance for your suffering. Yeah. We've got to be a culture that stops celebrating that you've got to die in order for us to be able to have yeah. resurrect this amazing marriage. We die to things like not having self-control. We die to selfish, selfishness. We die to entitlement. I don't have to die to your infidelity. Yeah. I don't have to die to your physical and emotional abuse. I don't have to die to those things. Actually, if I die to myself and learn that I'm a girl that don't that I don't love myself, then maybe I would attract someone that would not cheat on me. Maybe I would attract someone who will not beat and abuse me. If I die to my unworthiness, yeah. then God is able to resurrect me to someone who was able to love me properly ladies can we please stop celebrating that we have the ability to endure suffering and this one if a man puts his hands on you leave and never return if you leave an abusive man and return he will think you have nowhere to go and he will feel empowered to cause even more harm leave and don't look back End of. And it's not just about, abuse is not just about putting a hand on you. There's also a level of meanness that also comes out in abuse that doesn't even require touch. Even psychological, emotional, mental abuse. What else? Financial abuse. You're worth more than all of that. Next. My sister, you teach people how to treat you by how you treat yourself as well as how you allow them to treat you. And how you treat yourself is how you allow others to treat you. So learn to treat yourself with the same care and grace that you want from others. You may want to listen to that three times. Next one, be mindful of negative self-talk. And interrupt the patterns that no longer serve you well. You'd be surprised to know how many people think all their thoughts are the gospel truth. If your thoughts are negative, newsflash, you are negative and your life and your lived experience will be negative. As a man thinketh, so is he. Next, invest in good cognitive behavior therapy. To learn how to master your emotions, that you are not ruled and overruled by them. A word to the wise is sufficient. Adulthood is not the place for childhood tantrums in your intimate relationships. Best believe. Next, register and grow a business. Even if you are a work-at-home mom or an academic or are in ministry full-time or are a professional, entrepreneurship is for every woman. Learn how to mind your money and mind your business. Even if you're married to the world's best provider and go back to the part where I advised you to learn about money and how to steward it well. 
Next, guard your heart. Don't just throw yourself deeply in intimate relationships because things look and sound good. Restraint is a fruit of discernment and wisdom. Anyone can love bomb you and be all and say all the things, but restraint will protect your heart and keep your eyes from going colorblind where red flags are concerned. No go. Next, get to the place where you can give your parents grace that they did the absolute best that they were able to do, even if it was not enough for you. And then the next level up from that is to actually give them compassion and to have compassion for them, no matter how your experience with them was while growing up or how it currently is. That's deep. And then this gets me to this one. Forgive liberally and often. And I mean everyone and every offense, no matter how horrid. Forgiveness is for you and not for the person who has done you wrong. It frees up your heart and your soul to heal. But don't get me wrong. Forgiveness is not a boundary-free territory. Remember when I said earlier, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. So when they mess all the way around, let them find out that you are perfectly capable of not only releasing them and their offense into the freedom of your forgiveness, but also to erect the appropriate boundary commensurate with the infringement. In other words, if the boundary is up, if the offense is great, then the boundary must be equally great. So for example, those who violate the body should be forgiven. But jail time is an appropriate boundary for such persons. And even after jail time, being entered permanently in an offender's list to warn other parents or women that this person is in your vicinity and has been convicted of and therefore is capable of physically violating and not violating another human being is perfectly an acceptable boundary. Forgiveness does not mean that we lay ourselves at the mercy of the same one who has proven not to act in our best interest. It just means I leave you to God because his vengeance on my behalf would be severe and I can't carry that. Again, forgiveness does not mean that you go back to that source of pain. No, this one, marry the man who is as much committed to your spiritual growth as he is to his own. If he is not pursuing God and devoted to learning or submitted to spiritual leaders who give him wise counsel and does not have a growth mindset to always want to learn more, be more, do more, and always be teachable, be careful. Be very careful. A man who sees himself as God's son will see you as God's daughter and will have a greater sense of honor and accountability to his heavenly father for you. Forget tall, dark, and handsome or the other surface choices that we make in terms of what we feel like we're attracted to. Marry an average looking man who is high up on both intellectual and emotional intelligence. So be open to pick average looking men who may not have give, you may not have given attention previously, but make certain that those men are high up on the scale intellectually and emotionally. 
you do not need to be in a relationship where you are carrying all of the marriage emotionally with a man who is detached or worse, makes your life a living, lonely hell. Who you marry is the single most important decision as it relates to the quality of your life, whether you are able to live out your purpose, how family life plays out for you, and also your financial future. Almost all of these things on the list that we've just gone through with this advice will help you to fix your picker so that you will pick better. Be sure about this. A man may court you, but you, my hon, are the one who makes the choice. Choose wisely and choose well. I want to hear from you in the comments. Share some of the best advice you've gotten from older women in your life so that other women can also benefit. And also send us your feedback about this podcast by sending us your voice notes via DM on Instagram at Chef and Stewart. And we'll place some in the upcoming episodes. See the description box for other ways to support our mission to help you build wealthier and healthier relationships with yourself and others by feeding your body, soul, spirit, and pocket. I'm Carrie Heron and you've been listening to Thrive with Carrie, created and produced by Chef and Stewart Content Studio. Join us in the next episode on YouTube and download Thrive with Carrie on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time, let the desert bloom.